With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. From the king of sports books comes the king of sports podcasts. Unleashed. Presented by BetMGM. Here's your hosts, Giannis Pappas and Olivia Harlan Decker. Ah, the madness is upon us. The field of 68 is set. And Giannis, I can't wait to get into all of it with you for the next few weeks, but especially today. But I imagine you're a little tired, broke, and hungover after your big weekend in Miami. You've got a nice tan going. You said it's more of a burn. How are you feeling? How was your weekend? I am feeling like an immigrant trying to come into the States going through Ellis Island. Like you said, I'm tired, broke, and hungry, and I feel like the United States needs to take me right now. I put it on the card. You just go to Miami and put it on the card. My wife, she chose all the most expensive restaurants. And so, you know, but when you go to Miami, nobody goes to Miami to get their lives together. You go there to make bad decisions. (laughs) And I feel like we did that. So mission accomplished. And now there's just club music playing in my head. I've never eaten as many meals while I've danced at the same time in my entire life. Miami (laughs) is Gamora. Yeah, at Bioli, I, I messaged you on Instagram. I was like, Bioli's my favorite place in Miami. I saw you guys tearing it up in there. You know, how does it feel that Tom Brady goes to Florida, wins a Super Bowl, he retires, he unretires, could win a Super Bowl again at 45 years old, but you go to Florida and you feel like you got hit by a truck and then robbed. I mean, different yeah. kind of trip there. <laughs> yeah, we had a great time. It was my wife's first trip you know, after having the baby, being away from the baby at all. So we really spared no expense. And the best part of the weekend for me, I used to live in Miami. So, you know, I I run that town, but yeah, 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 I run that town. But uh, Miami, (laughs) but my best moment was former Syracuse great and NBA star Ronnie Cycli who's now a world-famous DJ, hit me up, and he was like, big fan, and I want to come see a show. So that made my life, because he was my favorite player on my favorite team coming up. Wow. You know, talking about March Madness, I was a big fan of those Derek Coleman, Ronnie Cycli, Pearl Washington teams. And so my man Ronnie Cycli, the Lebanese Tower baby, who I always thought was Greek when I was a kid, 
is a fan of my comedy, and that's all I need in life. I can retire. So shout out Ronnie Cycli, one of the greatest DJs going right now. Live that lounge wow. life, baby. Yeah. Okay, that is cool. That's a good takeaway from the cool. trip. Hell oh, yeah. Cool. He messaged me on the gram, and it's just, it made my, it made my life. Man, I remember when <laughs> DJs used to message me on the gram. That all stops the second you get knocked up, Giannis. I'm just telling you. <laughs> yeah. Hi, hi so, Mrs. Harlan. <laughs> <laughs> I know, didn't say got... your daughter did. <laughs> Rodrigo says hi from Miami, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Well, they don't pay us to talk about our weekend. So let's get into some March Madness. I want to remind our listeners that you played a little college hoops yourself at American University. So you're our resident analyst. OK, sure, sure. I'll be sure. your resident Failed walk-on. At least we're going to have on his successful walk-on, which is, he's like my idol. So it looks great. Yeah, he's a college basketball analyst with Fox Sports. He's the other half of the Titus and Tate podcast. Remember, Giannis, a couple weeks ago, the big UNC Tate Frazier, we had him on the show. He was so great. So I'm glad we're going to have someone in the know help us break down this year's field of competition. There's a lot to get to here. Absolutely. And like you said, Tom Brady stealing the headlines. I can't believe Pete Davidson and Kim Kardashian's relationship lasted longer than Tom Brady's retirement. But, you know, he spent a couple months at home. Giselle asked him to do a few things. He watched a season of whatever show they're watching. He was like, I got to get back out there. But it is all about the tourney, Olivia. So let's talk some college hoops. I am psyched. So, yeah, as I was looking at the bracket when it came out on Sunday, I wanted to first look back at last year's tournament. It was the most upsets ever in the big dance. And since we are a betting show, I want to remind people anything can happen. Anything can happen in this next month, couple weeks. So I just wanted to recap some of the best upsets from last year. Abilene Christian beating Texas. North Texas beating Purdue. One of my favorites. One seed Illinois did not advance to the Sweet 16 off the prayers of a 101-year-old nun, Sister Jean. Oral <laughs> Roberts, they were the first big one of the tournament. As a 15 seed, they beat number two Ohio State in overtime. And in terms of bracket busting, UCLA making the Final Four as an 11 seed, that was huge. No one's bracket was safe after that. So it was a great tournament last year. So what does 2022 have in store well, I will tell you from a betting perspective that four lower seeds are favorites in this first weekend, Memphis, Michigan, Loyola, Chicago, and San Francisco. But let's just look at our one seeds just to go over who are some of the early favorites. Starting in the South, Arizona. I feel like everyone is so hot on Arizona right now. A lot of people think they have the easiest path. It's the first tournament without Sean Miller, thanks to NCAA infractions and an ongoing FBI investigation. So it's very impressive that former Gonzaga assistant Tommy Lloyd won the Pac-12 and is a one seed in his first year at the helm. They haven't made a Final Four in 21 years. So Arizona, a lot of people are excited about Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. Then you got Gonzaga, of course, top overall seed, reached title games in two of the past four tourneys this year, led by two Wooden Award candidates, Drew Timmy and the toothpick, Chet Holmgren, <laughs> seven foot one. So uh, they've only lost... Three times this season, so um, they're definitely yeah. the most balanced, most dominant team in the country. So, of course, everyone has them as a favorite. 
Yeah, I like Gonzaga. This might be their year. I think they get over the hump this year. And then in the East, Baylor, they obviously won last year. They were so dominant. They won all six tournament games last year by at least nine points, including 16-point victory in the title game. So I don't know. I don't like them to repeat. I'm curious to ask Mark Titus his opinion. I don't know. I thought they were better last year. I'm not jazzed about Baylor. They didn't do great in the Big 12 tournament. So this will be an interesting one. Okay, of course. And the Teflon man who's avoided all controversy, Bill Self, (laughs) still standing, going for his second national title over at Kansas. So another top contender. Best time of year for a basketball fan. You get to watch teams run plays, play passionately. This is just anything can happen. To me, this is the greatest sporting event in the world. So I'm so excited. All right, but you know who's not so excited this week? We'll move over to MMA, a little UFC action for our Bad Beat of the Week. Bad Beat of the Week. Our Bad Beat of the Week this week uh, was all about UFC. It was our boy Evan from Indiana. He hit 9 out of 10 fights on his UFC parlay, but it was Chris Matinho who didn't get it done, losing to 42-year-old Guido Canetti. You never bet against Guido. The kid's tough. He's still fighting like he's 20. He's the Tom Brady of the UFC. What a tough break for Evan in Indiana. You lost on your parlay, but you did win our bad beat of the week. So we're hooking you up with 100 bucks in BetMGM site credit to help ease that pain from that submission that you experienced <laughs> in your UFC betting extravaganza. So hope that eases the pain a little bit, Evan. Better luck next time, baby. So now as we are getting into March Madness, BetMGM is going to have promos throughout. And Peter Andrew, at the end of the show, he'll talk more about that. But the big one, you guys, that starts right now, I've got to tell you about. I want to remind you, BetMGM gets you ready for March matchups with a special welcome offer to the tournament. All you have to do is register for BetMGM, make your first deposit, and place a $10 money line wager on any team in the tournament. If a three-pointer is scored in that game, you'll win $200 in free bets regardless of your bet's outcome. Just use bonus code UNLEASHED200 when you make your first bet. Enjoy the playoffs like never before with the king of sportsbooks and score an easy win on your very first bet. Download the app or go to betmgm.com and use the bonus code UNLEASH200 to win $200 in free bets if either team hits a three in the game you wager on. Eligibility restrictions apply. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi or Nevada. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from being issued. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, now before we get to our guest, the great Mark Titus, it's time for me and Olivia to hit on a topic in the world of sports we both feel passionately about this week. That's right. It is time to unleash. It's time to unleash. Woo! Okay, you spoke about the 42-year-old Guido. 
and that's where I want to take this. Tom Brady is officially back, and he's going to be 45. And the Bucks went from 25 to 1 to win the Super Bowl down to 10 to 1. That is the power of Brady Brand. He's 44, like I said. He turns 45 in August, and he still has something to prove. And it sort of seems like a lot of athletes at the top of their sport have found this fountain of youth. While the Lakers have struggled, LeBron James at 37 years old is battling Joel Embiid and Giannis Antetokounmpo for the league lead in scoring. He's averaging almost 30 a game. This past week, he had two 50-point games. That's crazy. Now, he deserves better, I think, than this Lakers squad. He shouldn't have to be scoring 50 at his old senile age. (laughs) But he's already made it clear he wants to keep playing so he can make history. He wants to have the scoring record. He wants to play with his son in the NBA. Then there's Cristiano Ronaldo, 37 years old, which is above the soccer average. I, I believe it's low 30s. And he scored a hat trick this week for Manchester United, which set him as the Premier League's all-time leading scorer with 807 goals. That's nuts. He is at the peak of his game. And I'm especially invested because I'm watching his girlfriend's documentary on Netflix right now, Soy Georgina. <laughs> oh, it's so good, Giannis. It's such a binge-worthy show. She's amazing. Anyway, so I'm I'm a big soccer fan right now. <laughs> and yeah, the average soccer retirement age is 35. So he's just a couple years over, but he's still, he's playing better than ever. And then on to another show that I'm binging on Netflix. Can you tell I have a lot of time on my hands? Is the Formula One show. And Lewis Hamilton is... Now, so fun to watch. He's also 37 when a lot of these guys are in their young 20s. I mean, it's it's just so cool to watch. You know, like, Giannis, how old are you? <laughs> um, How old do I look? Um, I'm Tom Brady's age. Let's just say that I'm Tom Brady's age. Are you really? You're, you guys are the same age? We're the same age, and it makes me feel good oh. to watch a guy doing it. Yes. See, this is this goes out to all you older fellas. <laughs> Us old dad, our, uh, yeah. our, our geriatric zaddies. Call us geriatric zaddies. Oh, oh, no. <laughs> you know I'm saying this all with love and I'm joking. And it's always funny anytime a player is in their upper 30s, even announcers on the broadcast crew always act like he's coming out in a wheelchair and just doing the damn thing. But my point is that I love seeing all these players in all these different sports competing at their peak and competing against guys in their young 20s who think they've got it all figured out. And a big part of it is technology and recovery and all the things at their disposal. But man, is it fun to watch. And Tom Brady coming out of retirement to play at 45 years old in August, it's pretty cool. So I had to give this topic its moment. Absolutely. And to piggyback off this amazing Unleashed, let's give a shout out to Nadal and Federer, Federer, 40 or 41, still hasn't retired. Nadal at 35 or 36, I believe, Mm -hmm. which is ancient for tennis, playing his best right now. Of course, the Joker being out because he's unvaccinated has helped that. But this is one of the best starts to a season any player's ever had. He's 17 and 0. He won in Melbourne. He won um, in Acapulco. And he looks like he may be on pace to win his third tournament of the year already at Indian Wells. So mm. unbelievable that these old heads are representing for the old school. Let's do it. I support everyone over 35. You're my people. <laughs> Keep it up, guys. You're making us look good. Sugar daddies unite. (laughs) All right. 
it's all Brady. Brady's stealing headlines again. So I want to unleash on Brady, but not so much about him specifically, but about a tweet that I saw go viral this last week. I don't know if you saw it or not, but it wasn't from a football insider or or an expert. It was actually from John Cooper, the former national finance chair for Biden in 2016. So the tweet ended up having like 10,000, 15,000 retweets, something like that. And what the tweet was, was basically saying, Tom Brady is back. Who else wishes the NFL would welcome back Colin Kaepernick instead? And then he put a little hand wave emoji. He looks a little too old to be putting emojis up there, but he did it. All right. Like I said, John Cooper (laughs) isn't an NFL executive. He's not a former player. He's not a commentator. But. You know, this was something that people started tweeting about. Colin Kaepernick obviously has been training, getting ready. Every year it's a thing. Should he deserve a spot? Yeah, maybe he does deserve a spot. But this has nothing to do with Tom Brady coming back. Okay, it's not a mutually exclusive deal where it's one or the other. Like you said, Tom Brady is playing MVP level football at the age of 45. God bless him. Colin Kaepernick, as great as he's been for the causes that we all support, et cetera. His football play came into question, you know, while he was still playing. I mean, Mm -hmm. every year since that Super Bowl appearance, his numbers got worse and worse and worse to horrible by the time he was released. So does he deserve a spot? Maybe. But that maybe is based on his play. To make this political, I feel like was a really low move. You know, it's just at a time where hopefully we're trying to find common ground. I thought it was a real cheap, cheap maneuver to try Mm -hmm. to pull Brady and Kaepernick into this like political divide by making Brady this sort of Trump guy and Colin Kaepernick this sort of left-wing guy. They're football players. Obviously, Kaepernick is very outspoken about his causes, but you know, if you're talking football, sometimes they intersect, but this was not one of those moments, and it was a real bummer. It was a real bummer, Mr. Cooper. So why don't you just stick to what you know, which is stealing money and raising money for political candidates, because I'm sure <laughs> your whole life has been on the up and up considering your job description. So just please stay out of football. <laughs> Leave football out of this. I love just, it. Can we it. just please, can we get I a know. break from politics? I mean, football, just, can yes. we just have a break? Just let, let the kid play. He's 45, all right? He's he's, he's drinking in shore <laughs> already. So just uh, just celebrate the guy for his football achievements and leave whoever he's friends with in politics out of it for five seconds. That's all I'm Yeah, saying. I don't know how his adult diaper is going to look under those tight football pants, but <laughs> we're going to have to find out now. No, that was really Mine good. Great. And another, another word that sticks out to me in that tweet is deserves. I mean, no one's getting a job in the NFL because of what they deserve. You're telling me that there aren't guys who have deserved it and played really hard and practiced really hard and did it. Come on, grow up. I love it. Good stuff. Good stuff, my friend. Thank you. Let's get to hoops and bring on Mark Titus. guest today was a basketball walk-on who actually made it, unlike me, at the Ohio State University where he helped lead the Buckeyes to a Final Four in his freshman year. And by helped lead, I mean he kept the team loose by telling jokes and having great energy on the bench, which was my dream that I couldn't fulfill. 
Not only did he manage to become a school legend, he's also the co-host of the Titus and Tate podcast from Fox Sports. Mark Titus is here. Welcome, a living legend. All of us potential walk-ons look up to you. You made it. I tried to walk on at the American University. It didn't happen. What was your key to success? I think you hit the nail on the head. Was I? I knew how to tell the right jokes. I guess at the right time. Also, let's not <laughs> let's not discount the one rebound I had in that 2007 NCAA tournament. Oh. I think that kind of changed the course of our season when I came in against Central Connecticut State in the 116 game and uh, <laughs> emphatically pulled down a uh, garbage time rebound. You know, I think I think that was the difference. I think Coach Mata went back and looked at the tape and was like, I didn't realize mm. Titus had that in his game, and he kept me around for three more years. So I think it was that. Did you ask for the basketball? Did you want the basketball? <laughs> yeah, I should. I should have. Can you imagine that that heat check of like the walk on going up to the ref and then say tournament? Like, can I have that? That's a. <laughs> oh. oh my god. Oh, that is rich. That is rich. But as we mentioned, now we had Tate Frazier on a couple weeks ago. He was uh, awesome. You are his better half. Thank you on the podcast. I love listening, to y'all. And you've had uh, such extensive coverage of conference tournaments and now the NCAA tournament. I'm curious, what do you take away from conference tournaments? Because it seems to not really matter in the seating. Yeah, it, it, it definitely doesn't matter in the seating. Uh, it also, you can talk yourself in circles as to, I, I mean, we had a great example of this last season. There there were two two very obvious conference tournament results in terms of like teams that just got hot for their conference tournaments. And you have Oregon State in the Pac-12, I'm talking about last year, who yeah. won their, who, who kind of came out of nowhere to win their conference tournament, getting to the NCAA tournament. And Georgetown did the same in the Big East. And you're going into the NCAA tournament, you're saying, all right, both of these teams are are not that great, but they're hot right now. So I, I wonder what's going to happen in the tournament. In Georgetown's case, they got blown out in the first round. And in Oregon State's case, they went to the Elite Eight. So I guess like what I'm saying is I have no idea what they tell us. You, yeah. you, you can look. I mean, there, there's the one stat about like teams that don't make their semifinals have never won the national title. So I think that's mm. interesting. That tells me something. Mm-hmm. So I think like a team like Illinois losing to Indiana and the first that, that, that gives me pause, but you know, it's, it's the, the, you, you see teams that need the rest and, and they lose early. And like, sometimes it helps them out to not have to play four games in four days or whatever, leading into the NCAA tournament and other teams, uh, you know, are hot and they ride it. So like, I, that that's the joy of March. It sucks for a guy like me who's supposed to have answers. And you guys have me on your show and you're like, make sense of uh, the madness <laughs> for us. But uh, for, for the neutral fan, it's, it's, it's what makes the sport so great is because you can talk yourself into a million different outcomes looking at this stuff. Do you use uh, Ken Palm at all? Are you familiar with Ken Palm? Do you I recommend do. Yeah. yeah. Are you familiar with it? Yeah, yeah. I use. Uh, <laughs> you better be. Yeah, I use Ken Palm, but um, it's it's the same sort of thing. Is like there's so it's it's almost paralysis by analysis. You look at all these yes. numbers and, and try to make sense of uh, the thing that kills me too is like. I just said it. I said no team has lost in the semifinals of their conference tournament, and we use that as a data point. To, so as we look forward, these things definitely aren't going to happen. Cross these teams off. When you look at like the last few national titles we've had, we had Baylor won a national championship. They had never won a national championship. In fact, before they had won the national championship, like the the knock on Scott Drew was like he couldn't get it done, and like he never goes to Final Fours. He always has like good teams. He, he always chokes. The year before, well, there wasn't a tournament the year before, but the, the, the champion before that was Tony Bennett at Virginia, mm. who had just lost to a 16 seed, who like, if you asked anybody on the street who knew Tony Bennett, they would bring up the singer, first of all, probably. Yeah. But then if you asked them about the coach, they would be like, yeah, that, that's the guy that chokes in March. 
and he won a national title and he won a national title against Texas Tech and beating Auburn in the final four. And I guess like we're at an era in college basketball where it feels like a lot of firsts are happening. And yet we go into March and we like look at like Ken Palms and we look at patterns and we say like the last 25 national title teams have all had this on Ken Palm and that on Ken Palm and that. And then there always seems to be like one team that, you know, that, that breaks through and, and does something. And then instead of going, oh, okay, so maybe these formulas don't really tell us much. We then just go into next year and we're like, okay, so now let's change the formula. And now this is the formula we're going with. So Right. <laughs> no, absolutely. And you mentioned Baylor. They won for the first time last year, but there's always talk about a defending champion curse, which I just think yeah. points out that it's really hard to win twice. Does this fate befall Baylor as now we look at their path to the championship? Yeah, I think Baylor's problems is more is their problem is more injuries, I'd say, than sure. uh, than having the target on their back. Because I, I I really did love this Baylor team, but Baylor is has been an incomplete product all season. We've been waiting to see what their complete team looks like, and unfortunately, I just don't think we're ever going to actually see that. But yeah, it, it's tough to win back to back. It's it's very very tough. I I do think there's there is part of that target on your back mentality, and a lot of the guys like it, what's funny is a lot of the guys on Baylor this year weren't even on the team last year, so they just kind of right. inherit that you know pressure that comes with being the defending champion. But no, if you're asking me, do I do I think Baylor will win the national title? I do not. But it has not like Baylor's. They're obviously a one seed. They've they've had a great season. They're a great team. But I think even Baylor fans are are scratching their head about like what this team could have been with L.J. Cryer. Looks like he's out for the tournament, and Jonathan Chamochachua uh, has been out for the year for a little while now. And they, they've had a bunch of other guys banged up throughout the season. So it's it's more for me this Baylor team. It's more of a testament that they got a one seed. That's almost like the the impressive part than mm-hmm. anything that happens in the tournament run now. So I, I think they're just kind of playing with house money at this point, certainly as a program. Once you want a national title, I think you get like a five-year grace period to, <laughs> to do anything in the tournament. I think that's how it works. Well, how early are we talking for them to fall? I know Tate is looking at that 1-8 North Carolina meeting potentially yeah. this weekend, then UCLA potentially after that. Like how early do you think they fall? I, 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 Baylor to me is definitely, and again, I say this with the utmost respect to Baylor's program. I, I, this has nothing to do with the talent they have on that team because they are absolutely loaded from a talent perspective. It has to do more with, uh, just like they, they've been piecing together their team. They've been patching it together throughout the entire sure. season. Um, so I, I do think they're the most susceptible one seed to lose in the first weekend. Oh. Um, now, having said that, North Carolina is I, I have been forced to watch a lot of North Carolina <laughs> yes. basketball this year because my co-host is a is a proud, maybe not so proud at times, Carolina alum. They are all over the place. Carolina is uh I, I Carolina to me, like they match up well with Baylor in the second round, but it always works this way somehow that like anytime you start getting excited about an eight seed that can knock off the one seed, the eight seed blows it against the nine seed and mm. Marquette will beat Carolina because Carolina is looking at Baylor. So no, I, I think Baylor, I, I would be very, very surprised if Baylor makes it to the final four, certainly, which is as a one seed, you usually don't say that about one seeds. I would be very surprised. I mean, UCLA in the sweet 16 or St. Mary's in the sweet 16. I think the sweet 16 matchup for Baylor is going to be tough. I, I Baylor's just going to have a tough path the entire way through, but that's nothing new for Baylor, so we'll see. How about a couple teams that play like incredible defense like Arkansas or Indiana? What are their chances? Yeah. 
I certainly like Arkansas's chances better, but Arkansas's first round match against Vermont is to me like the game to watch in the first round. I think that's going to be, and Arkansas fans are killing me for saying that because they, anytime you, you like one team, that means you are saying you don't like the other team. And I, I really like the Vermont team. I think Vermont is like the absolute perfect team for the NCAA tournament, the, yes. the perfect double digit seed. I think like the way they're built, they start five seniors, they take care of the ball. They are not super athletic. They're not super big. But when you like are are engineering a team to to have success against a power conference team in the NCAA tournament, the results you build looks a lot like this Vermont team. But yeah, Arkansas plays great defense. JD Note is uh, uh I, I believe in the combination of of great defense and great guard play. And, and JD Note is a guy that for Arkansas that they all year they just kind of throw the ball to him and say, We need your help, go get us a bucket, and he'll go do it. I think Arkansas, certainly more so than Indiana, more so than like LSU is another team that plays great defense and kind of suspect offense. Trying to think. Texas Tech is interesting. I mean, Texas Tech is one of those teams that uh, plays great defense. The offense can look a little rocky. I think they can ride that pretty far in the NCAA tournament this year. But uh, Arkansas would be my pick of those great defensive teams. It's just that first round game. If, if Arkansas can beat Vermont, they can go far. But Vermont scares me. Vermont really, really does scare me for Arkansas. Is J.D. Note one of your Kemba candidates? And can you explain yes. to our audience what a Kemba candidate has to include? So the Kemba candidate is that in 2011, Kemba Walker carried, I mean, everyone who watches college basketball remembers that that UConn was, uh, I believe they were like the ninth seed in the Big East tournament. They have the most ridiculous Big East tournament run. They then go on to win the NCAA championship. And the way they did it was they played great team defense and basically, Kimball Walker was like, I'll take care of the entire offense. You guys yeah. don't worry about this. I'll, I'll make it. I'll do everything myself. It was one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. Ever since then, I've I've been obsessed with the formula because three years later, UConn kind of did it again with uh, Shabazz Napier this time mm-hmm. as their their guy who was like, I'll go score everything and, and we'll just play defense. So I'm obsessed with that idea of like a team that just plays great team defense Maybe their offense isn't great, but they have like one guard who you can just give the ball to and say, just please do something for us. J.D. Note is like at the top of my list, I think, of that because Arkansas is a great defensive team. And if you've watched this guy all season, he shot them out of a couple games. There's a couple times where he was feeling himself a little too much. But that's what March is about is is like the 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 spotlight gets turned up and 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 guys, uh, you know, sink or swim and and. You, you find out who these guys are that that can uh, rise to the occasion. And, and J.D. Note is certainly one of those guys. So I really hate Arkansas's draw, though. I really mm-hmm. wish they weren't playing Vermont because <laughs> I like the Vermont team so yeah. much. <laughs> what about Yale? Finally, you know, I mean, <laughs> will an Ivy League school ever make it to the Final Four or win it? Or will it just be the closest that they get is a great team using the Princeton offense? And second part of the question, do you think there should be a Revenge of the Revenge of the Nerds movie sequel where a team wins it against a team of football players? <laughs> I think the move, here's the move for the Ivy League teams is you gotta, like, we're in this name image likeness era and everyone's talking about how uh, the Kentuckys and Kansases and, and North Carolinas of the world are going to beat everybody because they're the big, basketball programs. I think the move is you get these Ivy league teams. I mean, they're the ones with the billion dollar donors and stuff, you know, you got to get the, you got to get your billionaires of the Ivy leagues to care about this and, and get them to set up (laughs) name image likeness deals. And so instead of like offering these high school guys, like car dealership 
situations, you're offering them just like straight cash from like, you know, hedge funds and stuff. Bitcoin. <laughs> Set that. Yeah. I, I, give them Bitcoin. <laughs> I think that's the formula. Yeah. Is Yale going to go to the final four? I would say that is highly unlikely. I do not think, I, I don't love Yale's matchup with Purdue. Purdue's a team that, uh, has been up and down all season. So I, I guess you could you could catch Purdue on a downswing, but Purdue 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 got upset last year and they brought a lot of those guys back. And and I don't think Purdue's gonna overlook Yale in the first round like they did with mm. North Texas last year. So I don't think it's gonna happen, Giannis. I'm sorry to say that. But maybe they need to build a robot, a robot player, you know? Yeah, have to, <laughs> just have a robot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> College basketball parody is as it, it continues to we're seeing more and more like like this tournament is going to be insane this is uh if you followed the sport all season like last year Gonzaga and Baylor were head and shoulders better than everybody else you know there there was a chance one of them could get upset but the tournament really wasn't going to start like I don't think I was really going to get that excited about the madness going on until Gonzaga or Baylor lost and, and maybe both, like if both of them lost, I've been like, oh my God, we have a tournament now. So the fact that they met in the title game, it wasn't a surprise last year to anybody. This year, I mean, if if you if you told me like all the one seeds lost in the the first weekend, I, I would be a little surprised. I wouldn't be stunned, you know, like I would, like last year I would have been stunned. Mm-hmm. This year, that's not the case. And there there are obvious flaws to every single one of these teams. That that means that's what's going to make it fun. But to bring it back to the Ivy League, I think like that's going to continue every step of the way moving forward each year. And I don't know. There's a path. The Ivy League could could figure it out. Why not? <laughs> Some of these smaller schools will figure it out. If Loyola Chicago can figure it out. Why can't one of these Ivy League schools figure it out? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Speaking of Loyola Chicago, they face your Ohio State Buckeyes in the first meeting, and they're dangerous. Mm-hmm. But as I've heard you point out on your own podcast, this isn't the team of last year. Uh, they've lost talent, but good defense and, and a great nun and a close yeah. year to God. So what do you think in that first meeting? Yeah, yeah. Sister, I'm more scared about Sister Jean than anyone on the Willis <laughs> team, to be I've honest you with you. I've heard you call like her Sister Meme, too. That's kind of shady. Sister sister Meme, uh, because <laughs> uh, we can... we can So somehow, Ohio State... It has been frustrating to watch this Ohio State team, mm-hmm. and they've been up and down. They they do not play great defense, but somewhere along the line, the narrative of the Ohio State season got changed. Where it was that we were dealing with injuries and COVID pauses throughout the year. We we got really we beat Duke in the non conference season, and expectations were sky high in Columbus. And then we get hit with like a COVID pause for a few weeks and kind of lose our momentum. So it's been up and down. And then now Ohio State has no doubt limped into the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. I will not deny that. But we are with we've been without our two big uh our our big dudes and Zed Key and Kyle Young for like the duration of the, the end of the season. I think they're both gonna be back for this game. And what's what's frustrating to me is that I I have been down on this team in, in ways that maybe no it would be surprising for a guy that that is wavy. I'm literally wearing an Ohio State hat in this interview. <laughs> I, I I very much want Ohio State to be good, and and they they've bummed me out a lot this year. But the fact that Ohio State is an underdog against a Loyola Chicago team with a first year head coach in round one is insane to me. <laughs> when we have an All American EJ Liddell, we have a a first round pick in, in Malachi Branham. I don't know. The disrespect is through the roof, and I, I it's a good position for us to be in. I know a lot of people remember what happened in the tournament last year, which uh, we had guys out for that game, too, which no one wants to talk about. That's okay. <laughs> I don't take Loyola Chicago lightly, but uh, sure. the fact that Ohio State is, is being disrespected to this extent, I actually think it works in our favor, and uh, I'm excited about this first-round matchup. 
But you mentioned all the talent, two first-round picks. They have more length, more talent. They should, on paper, win this game. But fifth year for Chris Holtman, and he's never advanced past the second round. What do you attribute that to? He always has talent. Olivia, your connection's cutting out. I can't. <laughs> it I, certainly I can't, I is not. That wasn't, that wasn't very – I didn't hear what uh, – <laughs> I'll say this. So, like, do you want to see someone new at the helm? Do you like Chris Holtman? And, in all seriousness, hold uh, – so – Hold style of play is is uh, we're very fun to watch on the offensive end. Yeah. What we we struggle at is defense. We struggle at closing games, and I think the the criticism of Holt would be like this: those those are things that you need in the NCAA tournament, obviously, because on a one and done setting, you you, you get into a situation like uh, you know the Oral Roberts game last year. Oral Roberts was just red hot, making everything in Ohio State was kind of, we are matching Oral Roberts shot for shot, but at a certain point as a Buckeye fan, you're like, all right, can we please get one stop? And we just weren't capable of doing that. So I, I think the the problem, like it, the moving forward, to answer your question, no, I don't, I don't want anyone else at the helm. I love Chris Holtman. We just have to like tweak the machine. It reminds me of the, uh, the Tony Bennett problems he was having when he first got to Virginia, he was winning a lot of games. He would get to the NCAA tournament and he would never really have a plan B. He would, they would play great defense when their main a plan fell apart. They never really had a plan B. That's kind of Ohio State right now. We need a plan B. I don't... You're putting me in a tough spot, <laughs> Olivia. You're putting me in a tough spot because... Just be I, I don't, just, just don't speak from your heart. I would love for us to figure it out defensively because I think okay. I think like that that is kind of the problem is like every single year definitely we, the problem. We, we try to outscore teams and it doesn't always work that way in the NCAA tournament. So I don't know if we're going to be able to figure that out with this team this year. I think it's too late for that, but we'll see. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sweating so much now. No, you me no. that I was not prepared to answer questions. You knew I didn't we were going to answer. ask an Ohio State team. You were two seed last year and lost to Oral Roberts. I mean, we're asking it again. <laughs> I've blocked that out. I've blocked that out. I've processed. You know how much therapy I had to go to to, to get that out of my system? And now you're bringing it back to the surface. Oh, uh, uh. <laughs> All right, you uh, you predicted that the NCAA would take care of Coach K. They gave Duke yeah. a two seed. What do you make of that? What do you think is going to happen in that part of the bracket? When I uh, saw the selection show and I saw Duke as a two seed, I about fell out of my chair because mm-hmm. like that is absolutely egregious. And Tennessee was a th- Tennessee should have Duke's two seed. But then it like clicked that Duke is the two seed and Gonzaga's a region. And I think that's kind of perfect. I think that's a good balance to balance it back out. Yeah, they have a tougher path in Tennessee. Yeah, they do. I kind of like Tennessee's spot better. I think being in Gonzaga's region for Duke is tough because obviously Gonzaga is the number one overall seed. But that to me, the West is that it's Gonzaga has to win a national title. I mean, like that's what everyone's waiting on. I felt like they had to win it last year. They did not, obviously. That is the only way this season is a success for Gonzaga. They could go to the national title game again, lose in quadruple overtime, and it's a failure of a season. And that is harsh, but that's the reality we're living in with Gonzaga mm-hmm. basketball. Meanwhile, Duke has to make the final four. It's Coach K's final season. That's all we've heard about all season is that this is his farewell tour. He's got Paolo Bancaro, who might be a number one pick, or will certainly go in the top five. They're a loaded team. So one of those has to like one, they both can't happen. Gonzaga can't win the national title and do go to the final four. So I'm absolutely fascinated to see how that plays out. I think a lot of people are excited about the idea of Michigan state knocking off Duke in the second round. I want to caution everybody about that because like this Michigan state team is not built for that. Really? Like they, 
the way Michigan State beat Duke in 2019 was Cassius Winston was awesome mm-hmm. and just like ate their point guard alive, Trey Jones. Michigan State's point guard is Tyson Walker. He's not exactly Cassius Winston. We'll put it that way. I love the idea of Michigan State beating Duke. I don't see it this year. I think Duke's making it to the Sweet 16, and then that's when the fun starts. Maybe they're playing a Texas Tech. Maybe they're playing an Alabama, and then they have Gonzaga probably in the lead eight. That's when it gets fun and interesting, and that's when uh, that's when America should get excited. But I think Duke makes it to the Sweet 16 at least, and then we see what happens. I love hearing Tate talk about that. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> On Gonzaga, let me just ask you, like you said, been so close so many times. If they don't win it this year, the only constant has been Mark Few. Do you start looking, if you're Gonzaga, do you start going, hey, we got to change coaches. I mean, we can't get over the hump. <laughs> uh I don't think you do. I think you you stick with the guy that turned your your cow pasture school into a college basketball powerhouse. I think you uh, <laughs> I think you stick with that. I think it's best for college basketball. I really do for Gonzaga to not win it. I think it's mm. like if Gonzaga goes to the title game again this year, they're not gonna, and they don't win. I think this is great for college basketball because Gonzaga. The moment Gonzaga, I don't think people have really picked up on this. Tate certainly is well aware of this. We talk about this on our show a lot, but I don't, I don't know if the general public has picked up on this. The moment Gonzaga wins a national title, and it might happen this year, they become the new Duke. They are the new Duke in, in every single way, down to like they're a tiny private school that like can trace all of their success back to like one coach who turned them from nothing into something. The kind of players they recruit, the way they play, the attitude of their fan base, just on down the line, they check a lot of the Duke boxes. And I think the timing of putting Gonzaga and Duke in the same region in Coach K's final season at a time when mm. Gonzaga has to win a national title, I think it's all a little too perfect. I am cheering for, I, I have historically loved Gonzaga. Adam Morrison is my favorite college basketball player of all time. <laughs> I probably cried along with him when he lost to UCLA in 2006. I have loved this Gonzaga rise to national prominence and, and getting one seeds every year and all that. But I also, deep down, don't want Gonzaga to win because the moment Gonzaga starts winning national titles, everybody's going to hate them. Everybody's going to hate Gonzaga. <laughs> Good point. Good point. As I'm looking at my bracket now, what is the most likely 116 upset? And we don't know all of oh. them. We're recording this Tuesday. We don't know who all the one seeds are playing, but if you had to pull one out of that bag right now. All right. I believe that Arizona is the best team in the country, even though Gonzaga is the number one overall seed. I've thought Arizona is the best team. They're the most fun team for me to watch all season. So this has nothing to do with how good I think Arizona is. But the Wright State Bryant game, which mm-hmm. is the 16 playing game, which I think is on Wednesday. I think that's the Wednesday 16 playing game. Bryant is a team that if anyone watched the Northeast Conference Championship against Wagner, they're led by this guy named Peter Kiss, who wears a Kiss t-shirt to warm up. In. <laughs> His awesome. last name is Kiss. He sticks his tongue out when he makes good plays. He is absolutely electric is the only word you could describe him. And Bryant as a team plays very high-paced basketball. So in Arizona does too. And if Arizona plays Bryant in the 16-1 game, it is going to be the most like up and down basketball game you've ever seen in college. It is there are going to be a ton of points. Peter Kiss is going to try to score 60. He's probably going to take like 55 shots to do it. I don't actually think Bryant's going to beat Arizona, but I can that, I have never been in my entire life and I mean this genuinely. I've never been more excited to watch a 16-1 game than if Bryant plays oh, wow. Arizona because I don't necessarily think the upset's going to happen, but I think it's going to be an awesome game to watch. I think it's going to be so fun. Giannis, take the over. That's what I'm hearing. Take the over take in the that over. game. Woo. 
I really, it, it feels like a game that like Peter Kiss would score like 50 points <laughs> and Bryant as a team would have like 94. Yeah. And Peter Kiss is like popping his jersey in the crowd and pointing at his family and all that, and sticking his tongue out. And Bryant lost by 34. <laughs> and he didn't even realize that. <laughs> like Arizona kicked their ass and he had no idea because all he knew is he's, he's like, I scored 50. Are you see, you guys see that? You know? Oh, so. I, love it. I love it. I like a little pageantry and showmanship. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> nothing. Nothing. Is he the guy you think, the big break? Who's, is there a player or players you think that now that they're on the national stage will have their coming out party? I mean, like Steph and yeah. Ja, they were big on their teams, but they were mid-majors. But maybe a guy like Dante DiVincenzo, who yeah. has the talent and just has a monster game and then gets drafted because of it. So the guy, like the small school guy, I don't know about draft, but as far as like stealing America's heart, mm -hmm. uh, it kind of happened in the Conference USA tournament. This kid, Jordan Walker, nicknamed Jelly on yeah. UAB. He is... He, yeah, he had, I think he had a 40 point game against uh, Middle Tennessee in the, in the Conference USA tournament. He kind of single handedly carried UAB into the tournament and they go up against Houston in the 12 5 game. Houston is, is, is great defensively and I'm really worried that they're just going to put the clamps on him. But he's a guy that, that certainly, it, to, to answer your question, Giannis, about a, a guy that, that kind of comes out of nowhere from a small school. I could see him going nuts. And e even if they lose, it's one of those deals where he, you know, scores 30-something points and is trying to will his team to a victory. That that could be a ton of fun. The serious answer is a guy who has, for, for people that are like deep into the weeds in college basketball, have followed it all season, know this guy, but uh, the general public probably doesn't. David Roddy at Colorado State is a guy that I absolutely love. He's their big dude in the sense that he's not a, he's not a super tall dude, but he's a he's built like a bowling ball and he plays like a bowling ball and he just grabs every single rebound. He's very skilled. I don't even know who I could compare him to. That big would, baby. I mean, I guess like he's probably gonna maybe big baby Charles Barkley type comparisons. He has a ton of ton of fun, and he's going up against a Michigan team that's gonna draw a lot of eyeballs because Michigan uh, just kind of always does. They're a team that with Jawan Howard as the coach, especially is uh, I think a lot of people are gonna tune in. That is the very first game on Thursday. It's gonna mm. be Michigan versus Colorado State. That's a good. And one. I think the matchup of David Roddy and and Hunter Dickinson is gonna be fascinating because. Hunter Dickinson has never guarded a guy like David Roddy. David Roddy has never guarded a guy like Hunter Dickinson. It is going to be awesome to watch those guys go up against each other. That's my answer. I think David, because I like Colorado State to pull the upset, even though Michigan's playing in Indy and kind of got a favorable draw in that in that regard. I see Colorado State pulling the upset. They're the 60 and Michigan's the 11, but I think Michigan's actually favoring the game. So there you go. Yeah. That, that, that's like my it. answer. David Roddy. I like it. David Roddy. If you don't know the name, now you know. you'll know it by uh, by Thursday afternoon. Yeah. If you don't know, like now you know. <laughs> there <you go>. Titus, <laughs> we haven't talked a lot about the Midwest region, actually. And a couple days ago, when the bracket first came out, you said, now it's wide, wide open. You've had two days to kind of digest it. What do you make of the Midwest now? So what makes the Midwest interesting to me is Kansas is the one seed, right? So they, mm -hmm. uh, they, they, uh, Kansas is the one seed every year. And, and it's hard, I guess, if you're a casual fan to kind of suss out the differences between Kansas teams. What makes the Kansas teams great historically has been their point guard play. Mm -hmm. they, this Kansas team just frankly doesn't really have a point guard. They just kind of like whoever gets the rebound seems to bring the ball up the floor unless it's one of their big dudes. David McCormick is their center who traditionally, again, most Kansas teams play through their center. They don't really do that with McCormick. They are led by 
Ochai Baji, who, who plays on the wing. Christian Brown plays on the wing. Jalen Wilson's their, one of their better players. He plays on the wing. They are playing a completely different style than what we've seen from Bill Self through the years. They don't play great defense, and, and that gives me a lot of question marks about Kansas. Meanwhile, Auburn has been great for most of the season, but they're mostly just great at home. And if you really like pay attention to, to Auburn, like the times we've been really high on Auburn, and the big wins they pulled out are usually at home and they haven't been as great on the road. So I think that's what that's what makes that region so interesting is, is at the top, you have two teams that are, are very obviously flawed to me. And Wisconsin is kind of limped into the, they're the three seed. They've kind of limped into the NCAA tournament. Johnny Davis's health is, mm-hmm. has been called into question. So I ultimately went with this. I went with K- Iowa beating Kansas in the Sweet 16. Oh, I like Iowa pulling the upset because Keegan Murray is playing out of his mind. I the, this Iowa team is they aren't they haven't been great defensively all year, but they've kind of figured it out and they've they've they're they're a completely different team to me when I watch them right now than I did throughout the year. And I like Auburn to play Iowa in the Elite Eight. Still, I still think Auburn is is a team. I'm I, I they're so good defensively, and, and Jabari Smith is going to be the number one pick in the NBA draft. I think so. I ultimately went with Auburn over Iowa to answer your question. Mm. That's where I landed on. I don't feel great about it because, as I said, all of these teams have obvious flaws, and I think that's going to be the most fun. If, if I'm picking one region where chaos happens, I would probably circle the Midwest as far as like. I don't know, a, a, a South Dakota state going on a run as a 13 seed, yeah. you know, or like yeah. Miami or USC, maybe they beat Auburn in the second round and they kind of go to the lead eight. I don't know. But the, the Midwest to me is where was where I'm forecasting the most chaos for sure. That's definitely where I have the most question marks on my bracket. Like USC, Miami, that's a coin flip to me. I don't know. Some of these, mm-hmm. even Providence, South Dakota State, I heard you guys talking about that you were a little stumped on, right? Iowa, Richmond. Yeah, South, <laughs> South Dakota State's the best three-point shooting yes. team in the country. So that could go either way, you know, like if, if they're shooting like they have been all year, then that's that's great for an upset. But then, you know, sometimes these teams that are great three-point shooting teams, they get to the NCAA tournament, they miss their first five. Mm-hmm. And then they start getting like nervous and they're like, what's happening? Why isn't, why aren't our shots going down? So, uh, no, South Dakota state, if, if South Dakota state goes to the sweet 16, I'm not going to be surprised. Wow. I, I won't be surprised by anything in the Midwest, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a mess over there. Two part question. Are there any walk-ons in the tournament who are making noise? Second part of the question Ooh. is Jeff Hornacek the best walk-on of all time. Okay, so I got to be honest that I don't know of any walk-ons that uh uh I uh, that's not true. I'm going to shout out my guy Stephen Izzo, Tom Izzo's son, oh. who's a walk-on <laughs> at Michigan State, who uh who who loves our show. I'll text with him every so often about stuff, and he's uh he he's holding down the club trillion brand. What? How many years is it since I graduated? Twelve years after I uh, oof, twelve. That's Oof. Boy, that's tough to that's tough to say out loud. Um, so I'll <laughs> shout him out, Stephen Izzo. He uh, he he's he's uh, wow. he got into a game late in the season and got a steal, and then uh, I I forget what the highlight was, but it was so funny. I got it, Michigan State put it on their Instagram, and I was howling because he checks in the game and walk-ons are supposed to just like dribble the clock out. That's kind of how I became <laughs> famous. Is like I I I bragged about how good I was at just dribbling the clock yeah. out. And Steven gets in the game and makes a steal and then like pushes the ball and is like trying to lead the break and somehow it gets knocked out of bounds and he goes crazy and he's like getting the crowd pumped up and the crowd's going crazy. And you can see his dad on the sideline with his arms crossed, just like shaking his head, like son of a bitch. <laughs> like, like we talked about this son, please don't do this. <laughs> so I'll shout him out. And then to answer your other question, I think I want to say Scotty Pippen was a walk on at one point. Ooh. I think he's, he's, he's been the answer. 
I'd have to double check that, but I want to say someone once brought that up to me that Scottie Pippen started his career as a walk-on at Central Arkansas. Oh. And when I learned Ooh. that, I was like, he has to be. I mean, he has to be. I mean, it's hard to top Scottie Pippen as yeah as an answer, you know. So I didn't know that. Yeah, if he, that's for sure. I mean, otherwise, I think Hornacek, right? I mean, who? Yeah. Yeah, I would. I, I would say, yeah. There, there have been a handful of good ones. I, I, I don't remember. Uh, I don't know if there are any other NBA Hall of Famers like Scottie Pippen, though. That's uh, yeah. that's gonna be tough to beat. Wow. Yeah. I was close. Wow. I, I wonder how many in-state tournaments rebounds Scotty Pippen had though. Did he have, <laughs> yeah, did did he he have, have one? one in Central Connecticut State? <laughs> you gotta check. I feel like he, yeah, I feel like he didn't grow to like, you know, his senior year or his first year in Chicago, and then he sprouted up eight inches. And yeah, so he was a late bloomer. But it's sad. The only reason I think a lot of people know anything about that story is from the Jordan documentary. Like they they briefly yeah. touch on that story, but yeah, yeah, but, and I. I think Scotty's not too happy about that. No. I, would, yeah. I would imagine. No. Would, that's yeah. a- <laughs> okay, Mark, let's yeah. get to the yeah. meat. Can you give us your final four and a winner as it stands on Tuesday, March 15th? Yeah, so my final four, I went a little chalk. People don't like it when I go chalk, but I'm sorry to say the hater. They don't like it because the haters want nothing more than a college basketball guy like me to give them some ammo. And, <laughs> you know, when, when you take a big swing, they, they want to see me step into the batter's box and take a big swing and fall on my ass when I don't make contact. That's really what they want. And unfortunately, I'm hitting for singles. I'm hitting for doubles. Uh, you okay. know, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to move the runners along yeah, the bases here. Nothing you know? wrong with that. My final four is Gonzaga and Arizona were the one seeds I like. I had Arizona beating Ohio State in four overtimes in the Elite Eight <laughs> on a very controversial call that will lead to me picketing outside the NCAA offices. So that's what I have. I had that written in my bracket, actually. I wrote a big, long paragraph. And you're warning people, too. You're warning them. Yeah. I have Gonzaga and Arizona. And then uh, I like Kentucky out of the East. Kentucky is a team that uh, I have loved for the better part of this season. And then I, I, I said earlier, I like Auburn out of the Midwest. And then I have... Kentucky winning it all over Arizona. And as I said, Kentucky, I like Kentucky because Kentucky has Kentucky can beat you in a thousand different ways. Kentucky is a team that, that if the game is in the fifties, I trust that they can win 57 to 51. Mm. I trust that they can win 110 to 106. They are built for a lot of different scenarios. They went into Allen Fieldhouse and, and absolutely destroyed Kansas in an up and down game. They played in some meat grinder games in the SEC. I thought the SEC was the best conference all season and, and Kentucky it's really the one SEC team. They didn't win the league, but they were the one team that could go on the road and win because it felt like a lot of these SEC teams could win at home but couldn't win on the road. And Kentucky uh, Kentucky won on the road. So with Oscar Shibway, who's going to win National Player of the Year, too, as their anchor, I know that every single Kentucky game, they're going to get defense. They're going to grab every rebound. They have a very high floor, you know. Mm-hmm. A lot of te- a lot of people when they fill out their brackets, they get excited about the ceilings, like how good can teams be. I know that Kentucky's floor is a certain. I feel like Kentucky has one of the higher floors in college basketball. That they're not gonna, they're not gonna lay a stinker out there. So they're they're gonna give themselves a chance every single game, and I trust that they're gonna be in every game. And for that reason, I picked them to win the national championship. Wow. So that's it. And also, my my dad's an Indiana alum, so I probably just subconsciously pick Kentucky just to like get under my dad's skin. I think it's that too. <laughs> he hates Kentucky. So I like how you don't you don't say a word about Kentucky this whole show, and then you just yeah. drop a bomb that they're winning it all. Yeah, I dropped it. What? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so did it, did it Tennessee beat it. Kentucky twice this season? No, no. Kentucky blew out Tennessee in okay. uh, uh, regular season in, at home. Yeah, in the regular season. Yeah, yeah. 
Okay, because I know Tennessee but no, the fans Tennessee, are just t- No, Tennessee right did beat now. Kentucky. Yeah, because they, they beat them in the SEC tournament. Right. You're right. Yeah, they did beat Kentucky in the SEC tournament. I'm sorry. They did, but, you know, Kentucky doesn't have to beat Tennessee again right. to, yeah. to win the national championship necessarily. Clean you slate. Know? Clean slate. I don't know. We'll see. What do you make of that St. Mary's victory over Gonzaga? Was that the blueprint to beat them? And do you see a team doing that, just pounding them inside? Because uh, their big men are good, but they're they're light in the ass. And yeah. Can you pound them? Yeah. Like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, that that is this Gonzaga team isn't as good as they were last year. That's for sure. And I, that gives me pause because, you know, last year's team didn't win the national title. They came up short, but also they kind of ran into an all time great team in Baylor. So that kind of, I guess, is the formula. I mean, you, you certainly you're better served trying to slow Gonzaga down than than trying to match their pace and and match the skill set that the, those guys have, which is uh some of the mistakes that teams get into is thinking like we can run with Gonzaga, but Baylor did it. You know, Baylor in the national title game last year was like, we're, our guys are better than yours. And we're going to go out and prove it. And they did, but this is a different Gonzaga team. And I think you're right. Giannis, like that, that St. Mary's did kind of show the blueprint. The difference is that is St. Mary's identity. That's been their identity for a long time. They're very familiar with Gonzaga. They're conference rivals. They're like the one team that's been able in the West Coast Conference that's consistently been able to beat Gonzaga. So I think for a team to like in an NCAA tournament setting where you look up and you have two days to prepare for Gonzaga, I think uh, saying, hey, we should take that blueprint that St. Mary's has built over 20 years and try to implement into our program over the course of two days. I don't know if that's going to be the recipe for success. But yeah, I mean, if there is a team like, say, a Texas Tech, and if Texas Tech makes it to Elite Eight and they play Gonzaga, Texas Tech is a team that has a lot of physicality, a lot of a lot of big bodies they can throw at, at Gonzaga, and they're certainly going to provide like a St. Mary's type feel to that game. So if, if you're someone who's filling out your bracket and you like Texas Tech to beat Gonzaga, I don't, I'm not going to talk you out of that. I have Gonzaga going to the Final Four, but uh, if you think Texas Tech can beat Gonzaga, that that certainly makes a lot of sense. And if they did, it wouldn't be a fluke, I don't think. I think I, I could see Texas Tech just kind of handing it to Gonzaga, to be honest with you. Hot tip, hot tip. There you go. I like yeah. it. Well, Mark, we've taken up a lot of your time. Thanks so much for sharing all of your insight with us. You're on every show, it seems like, this time of year. But you can follow <laughs> Mark Titus on Twitter, at Club Trillion. And, of course, listen to the Titus and Tate podcast. I also like watching it on YouTube. I've been doing that the last couple of days. Oh, really? Wow, you? thank you. Yeah, I'm one of your viewers. I Yeah, one of, there are dozens of you, I think, out there. We uh... <laughs> No, you guys actually have a huge YouTube following. Yeah, I, I am going on a lot of shows, so I, I I I implore everybody to please don't follow me on any other shows because like you'll you'll quickly learn that every time I go on a show, I just kind of contradict myself and I'm throwing a lot of darts at the board, <laughs> and I'm hoping I'm hoping somewhere Something along sticks. the line I hit one and then I'm just gonna clip it and spam the hell out of it and be like, I totally called this, you guys. I totally called. Yeah, do you this. have a different bracket for every show you go on? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bring it with you. I'll be on the the next show I do. I'm saying Kentucky's losing in the second round to Murray yep. State. all right mark thanks for your time you were the best man thanks guys bring him
I'm Peter Andrew from BetMGM to go over the landscape of sports. There's so much to cover this week. Oh my gosh. I wish we could just focus on March Madness, but the NFL is making that impossible. So Peter Andrew, first and foremost, I just have to ask, Tom Brady decides to come out of retirement. I guess his family time was all he needed, <laughs> which I laugh. It's like, it's like day two of your family vacation. You're like, oh man, I missed you guys. Now I'm good. I'm ready to go home. That's what Tom Brady just did. But how did that shake up the odds for Tampa Bay in their NFL futures? Yeah, it's funny. Uh, they have the meme, Tom Brady yeah. sold gas prices and <laughs> the, then just the went back to work. <laughs> yeah, it changed everything a lot. Bucks pre, was it Sunday afternoon when he just shook up the world during Selection Sunday? Yeah. Quite a bit to change the odds. They were plus somewhere between plus 2,200, plus 2,500. So 22 or 25 to 1, depending on where you saw the odds or at what moment. And they're down to plus 800 now. So I saw the news. I quickly fired a bet. I got them at 22 to 1 for next year. But it's changed quite a bit. And we actually had some big bets come in pre-decision. So someone, I think, two weeks ago put up $10,000 on Bucks to to win the Super Bowl next year. So either someone was thinking they were going to get Deshaun Watson or something, or, or they had some inside knowledge there. Yeah, I would follow up with that person because they knew something. That is not right. Was that Giselle Boonshin, by the way? Did you yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's uh, like the equivalent to some insider trading, it felt like. But no, seemed like it was legitimate and maybe the person just had an inkling. But yeah, it's it's not only have a domino effect on the odds for the Bucks, but now what happens with Deshaun Watson, Jimmy G. Oh, yeah. I mean, you saw some teams make small moves like Trubisky going to the Steelers. Yeah. But I don't know if that's the solution for them. So there's yeah. a lot of teams still looking for quarterbacks and... I think it's going to be crazy. Once the next chip falls, everything else is going to start falling after. One quick thing that I saw with Tom Brady that blew my mind, and it's not like a very advanced stat or anything, but it still was hard to wrap my mind around. In the last nine years, he's gone back and forth every year, winning a Super Bowl, losing a playoff game, winning a Super Bowl, losing a playoff game. Like, that's incredible. Last year, he lost a playoff game. So I don't know if history repeats itself. He's not coming back for nothing. He's not coming back to losing the playoffs. So I like that. If it happens that he wins the Super Bowl, I mean, there is a God. Like for nine consecutive years back. And (laughs) And his name is Tom Brady. (laughs) And his name is Tom Brady. But yeah, once I saw that, I felt good about my bet. But yeah, they're they're bringing everybody back. They brought their center back. I'm sure Gronk will come after. I know there was talks about what he'd do pre the decision. But all it took was watching Ronaldo score a hat trick for him to make his decision to come back. So uh, that that little fire in his ass. Gosh. Yeah, I mean it was it was planned. I you know, we all knew it wasn't real. We all knew he wasn't gonna retire on Instagram. He was pulling a little media move. He's mm-hmm. media savvy now, isn't he? He's thinking about Brady right now. There was no way he was going out on a loss. He's gonna try to win it. Everybody, again, I'm so ingrained in the worst way possible to like Niners Twitter, but everybody <laughs> for the last few years has been like, Brady wants to play in San Francisco. He wants his family to go to all the home games. So I'm thinking there's mm-hmm. if he's coming back, he's going to San Fran, but I mean, he's got he's clearly got something to prove in his own mind in Tampa to go out on a high note. So if they win this year, I think that wraps it up. I kind of agree. I don't think this story is done yet. I think, you know, Bruce Arians and Brady, that hasn't been the smoothest thing either. He's been kind of adamant that if he's coming back at all, he's playing for us. And I don't know if that gels with Tom. And so this this story is not done. We are going to be covering this all off season of other free agency moves. You mentioned like Steelers getting Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, What about Khalil Mack going to the chargers? I mean, who has had a big splash on the futures market? Yeah, that one, you know, a defensive player doesn't change things too much, but combining him and Bosa together is legitimate. And (laughs) I mean, 
that division is absolutely insane between what all four teams will, will end up showing, obviously, with Russell Wilson in, in Denver now. <laughs> That's like the division of death. Like you can go any which way and probably justify that you like the Chiefs or you like the Chargers or whoever it is. But short answer is prices don't change too dramatically when something like that happens. It's always the skilled positions. It's the running back making the big move. It's the Deshaun Watson going to X or the receiver going somewhere. But we've not seen anything yet. I think there's a lot of dominoes that still have to fall. I think there's a lot of teams that still have some cap constraints. So you're going to see players move or players get released. You know, Jarvis Landry was a good example when when Amari Cooper got traded to Cleveland. Um, so we are just getting started, and it's going to be a crazy couple months. And then obviously, as we get into the draft in Vegas, that's when things will really shake up. How about the Bengals, though? Have their odds increased now that they've signed Kappa and Karos to kind of give some more protection to our to our swag daddy, Burroughs? No change yet. The only team I'd say otherwise that's changed for the better is the Jags, who have just spent $280 million <laughs> in the last day. But I don't know offhand what it is, but that's not a dramatic change. It's not like they're Super Bowl favorites now. They just signed Christian Kirk to like, the fourth most lucrative wide receiver contract ever. But that's the kind of move that will change it. You'll never see an O-line move really move the needle too much, especially this early in the season. As it gets closer and a big injury you know, impacts someone in training camp, then things change a bit. But it's too early to tell with still a lot of moves imminent. Got it. Okay, let's get to the NCAA tournament. First, let us know what BetMGM is offering in terms of promos. This is a very competitive time of year for sportsbooks. It doesn't get any better than, than here at BetMGM these next couple of days. So as soon as Selection Sunday happened, we released our $10 million perfect bracket challenge. Oof. So if anybody finally correctly guesses that perfect bracket, $10 million cash into your account. Oh so gosh. really, really exciting. We've already have, you know, six figures worth of, worth of brackets, which is amazing. But the important thing to note is, you know, while it's difficult to get that perfect bracket, we're offering 100K to whoever is the top point getter. So obviously a traditional bracket, you get points for each round. The user or users that get the most points throughout the tournament, $100,000, same thing, cash in your account. So really exciting to kick the season off or kick the tournament off with that. And then we'll have promotions all tournament long, parlay boost tokens every single day for every customer. We have offers for first and second weekends. We're doing a lot to keep our customers happy here. Um, So it's going to be an exciting couple of weeks as we get into April for the uh, national championship. Oh, that is. We've got to make sure every week that you let us know all of those because it's a lot to keep up with. This whole, the next couple of weeks is so much to keep up with. So make sure you always let us know those promos going on. Looking just at the first round games, there are four lower seeds who are favored, Memphis, Michigan, Loyola, and San Fran. And those can shift by the time tip-off really happens Thursday. But of some yeah. of those matchups, is there one that you would suggest someone uh, invest heavily in? Yeah, so one I hate and one I love. The one I hate is San Francisco. I love Murray mm-hmm. State. I mean, they're not really a Cinderella team like they were a couple of years ago. They were a ranked team for most of the year. I love them minus one and a half. I know people are high on San Francisco, just you know, giving teams like St. Mary's and Gonzaga a challenge in the WCC, but love Murray State. So don't like San Francisco in that situation. But the one I do love is Loyola Chicago against Ohio State. Sister Dean, that's all you got to say. God's always on her side. Uh, they're plus one and a half now. I would just take them on the money line. It's going to be round even money. They've oh got a God. legit shot to make some noise. Yeah. So, and this year, there's so much parity in college. We've seen it throughout these tournament games. We've seen, obviously, big seeded uh, teams upset like Baylor. I mean, this year is going to be crazy. So, my recommendation is 
don't just take the chalk like you've seen in previous years. There are a lot, a lot of really good lower seeded teams, Cinderella mid-major teams that are going to make some noise. Yeah, we were just talking with Mark Titus and he was saying Vermont. Did he convince you, Giannis? Because I'm I'm all into Vermont now. Hey, I'm I'm a Bernie bro. Why not? I'm going with Vermont. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's almost like you just watched our interview with Mark Titus because he was talking about the parody this year as well. So it's an exciting tourney. Guys, where are we watching it? Are we flying out to Turkey to hang out with Olivia and watch these games? I mean, Peter, what's up? Does BetMGM have like a big screen we could hang out and pop some Trulies together? Are we sponsored by Truly now? No, but we keep trying. <laughs> we keep trying. We keep trying. We'll, we'll work on keep, it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just less calories. <laughs> We're going to have all of our TVs set up in office. We're going to have a huge watch party here. A uh, little uh, sneak peek into later this year and next year. We have a new office coming that's going to have a huge TV. So, Olivia Giannis, you guys are going to be delighted. But, but yeah. for now, we got pizza, pizza and beers coming for Thursday and Friday this week, which is going to be a ton of fun. And, and every game one. So. Oh, that's awesome. Peter, I recommend Trulies over beer because a couple <laughs> of big girls like me and you, we need to, we need to cut some calories. <laughs> Yeah. I'm really glad you just included you two in that. <laughs> we, we, I mean, we said it in LA. We had the two guys with the bellies, with the bigger belly, and then the girl who's who's pregnant. So, yes. <laughs> we look the three of us yeah. look good together. Yeah, we, yeah, we look nice like too. pregnant Charlie's Angels. Especially after the mango, uh, the mango mojitos we had at the Spanish restaurant. Oh my god! We made Olivia look small. I mean, me and you. We. I mean. <laughs> We're dad bod now, anymore? me and you. Yeah, me and That's you should it. sumo wrestle. Uh, <laughs> uh, that was awesome. Let's make sure next week we get more into the matchups as we get the first and second round behind us. This is when all the chaos happens. I don't even feel responsible telling people where to put their money in this first and second round because anything can happen. But once we get more into the meat, I feel like we can get more into the betting. What do you think? Yeah, just just take Arizona for now. I think that's the one safe bet I like. Take okay. them plus one twenty to get the final four, plus six hundred for the for the Ooh. natty. That's the only one I feel confident about. Okay, do some do. Uh, come on, have some fun. Put some money on Yale. Revenge of the nerds, baby. Support the nerds. Giannis, <laughs> you lost enough money in Miami this weekend. Don't don't be putting a bunch uh, of money on Yale now. Come on. Come I am on. refinancing my mortgage to free yeah. up some cash after. <laughs> The dinner's my wife picked. (laughs) Peter, thanks so much for joining us. This is fun as always. Thanks, guys. What an amazing show, man. That was one of my favorites. Shout out to Mark Titus for stopping by and dropping some March Madness gems on us. Listen, guys, follow BetMGM at BetMGM on all social medias. Follow me and Olivia. Most importantly, tell friends about the show. We air every Thursday wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget, we love you very, very much. Bye. 
Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm. The Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart.